السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. My name is Mohammed and I'm joined by my brothers today, Abbas and Father Chris, for the second installment of the Dreams podcast in our Tales of the Ten series. Dream so, Team. Dream Team, yeah. <laughs> With Father Chris. <laughs> so we're going to continue right where we left off on the, in the on, was it the, the soil? Uh, yeah, yeah. We were talking the, the about the test tube. Well, it's not a test tube. That, that's not good. But I just—it's a yeah. We were talking about this famous hadith of the glass container. Yeah. That that occurs with lots of variations in the text, and I like the variations. Is it soil or is it pebbles? Is it red? Sometimes it's green oh, wow. also. So it's very interesting to yeah. read the variations. No, who gifts it? Who who got it? Who's hiding it? All of this is quite interesting. So, so, and it does overlap with some of the other dream narratives, but it's that glass container with karbala soil inside of it that makes this absolutely different from all the others. Most often it's Umm Salama, but sometimes it's Ibn Abbas oh, wow. who has this dream. Very who sees the, the Who sees the Prophet with this soil. The difference is that Ibn Abbas experiences this dream after the death of the Messenger of God, and he doesn't actually get given the glass container, he sees the messenger of God with this container. Whereas Umm Salama, actually from the prophet before his death, he receives this glass container. She receives this glass container and gets told to guard this and look after it. And she does. She watches it three or four times a day. She keeps going in to look at it for however long it is until until the day of Karbala. He, he hands it to her saying that he's been given this container by Jibreel. And that she must keep it safe and these pebbles or this soil will turn to blood on the moment that Al-Hussein has been killed. And he just, he, he says, just take care of this. Um, and it's quite, a, it's quite moving because it, it now we're moving to the theme of his blood. And in many cases, he says, I, I, haven't, con- I haven't stopped collecting his blood since that day. Mm-hmm. The Prophet gathering it from the ground so that not a single drop goes to waste. Now, Ibn Abbas has this dream at midday. He's having a little midday rest, Ibn Abbas, because <laughs> he's, he's a good age. And he says, I saw the messenger of God. He was covered with dust. And in his hand, he had a container. Uh, containing blood, and I said, Messenger of God, what is this? And he says, this is the blood of Al-Hussein and his companions. So not just Al-Hussein's blood, but all of their blood. And I have not stopped collecting it, gathering it, says the Prophet, since that day. Mm-hmm. So so he doesn't actually get it. He just sees this container in the, in the Prophet's hand. Um Salama actually has a real-life encounter. She says, these two boys, Hassan and Hussein, were playing uh, around the Prophet's house, and Jibril descended at that moment and says, Muhammad, your ummah will kill this son of yours after you. And he points to Al-Hussein. Um, this is quite an interesting theme that runs through the pointing yeah. by Jibril. That one there is going to be killed. And the messenger of God then holds Hussein tightly and begins to weep. And, and, and then he gives to Umm Salama, um, the messenger of God, this soil. He says, I'm... I'm entrusting it to you because it smells like karb wa bala. And Umm Salama, she's the one who then puts it into a glass container and keeps it safe. So he hands her a handful of the soil or the pebbles um, that's sometimes described as red or green. And he says, the moment it turns to blood, you will know my son has been killed. And she said, that day will be a terrible day when this Mm -hmm. turns to blood. So that is the most common uh, of all of the, uh, most important of all of them. This, and it's a hadith that is 
is as crucial in Shi theology as are some of the other most important Mubahala and some of these other hadith. It really is important, but again, it's Um Salama, this trusted eyewitness yeah. who has not necessarily seen Jibril. It's hard to know if she actually saw Jibril, but she certainly witnessed the, the Prophet in yeah. And this is definitely something that everyone who grows up in a Shia community, or most uh, yeah. at least, uh, will have heard of yeah. this, this it's, story. It's very important. Yeah. It really is. Um, there's a, there's a dream that is related by Ali bin Abi Talib. Um, he's on a journey and he's standing in front of Nineveh. Okay. So, and he's on his way to Safin. Looks like he's on his way to Safin. Um, and and he, he says that, that he had found the prophet weeping and had asked him what the problem was. And it was Jibreel again coming to the prophet to predict the death of Hussein and giving him a handful of soil to smell or to look at or even to keep. So it's not as widely transmitted this story okay. um, with, with, with Ali narrating it that he'd, yeah. he'd, he'd found the prophet weeping and he couldn't understand. Yeah. Okay, so those are the good guys. <laughs> but the bad guys also dream. Hmm. And the bad guys' dreams are quite interesting too because the bad guys' dreams are much rarer. There are very few of them. But it's the bad guys who were part of the enemy army. Mm. And there are two major strands with these, these guys, and it's always after, after the event, obviously. So, so it's got to do with people who were members, or who were present at Karbala, but who weren't actually army members. They were doing something else there, but they were on, uh, on the side of Umar bin Saad. Okay. And they have these dreams, in which they see Ali and Muhammad at, at the pool, giving, oh, yes. giving the water of yeah. Kautha, giving the water of life to people. And they're now queuing up to <laughs> stupidly to get the water of life. So this is heaven. This is yeah. heaven, yeah. yeah. And, and they come in front of the Prophet, yeah. um, and they are immediately questioned. Now, it's very interesting because it's, it's two people. Um, one, of them, one of them is... Well, both of them say the same thing. I promise you, they say, I did not shoot a single arrow. I did not even have a spear. I didn't do anything. All I was doing was, one of them is, is at least an ironmonger. He's selling iron okay. to the army of Umar bin Saad. Mm. So he says, I promise you, I didn't touch Hussein. I didn't kill him. I did nothing. But the, the accusation against him is, you increased the numbers of the enemy by mm. one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's, they're two quite... Bad dreams, because in the one, the the, the the army, the man who sells iron, he is made to drink tar or pitch, not the water of life. He has to drink tar, and then then after that, he smells like tar for a long time. And people keep saying, "Do you sell tar or do you sell iron?" He says, "I'm an ironmonger," and then he tells this terrible story of 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 the tar. The other one is blinded. So he, the, the, prophet, the prophet touches him with the blood of Hussein around the face and he wakes up unable to see. Wow. And, wow. And, and it's because, and these are very important at least because they are suggesting that it's not just the guys who did the killing. Anyone who was... There was anybody who was in any way connected yeah. for their own benefit hmm. with the enemy or who augmented the numbers of the enemy in any way are as guilty as the killers. So the killers all get the same basically the same punishment and these two get get this punishment but it's a it's not a it's not a, a strand that you find very very often i mean then and then of course al-hussein himself is a dreamer 
He has a number of dreams. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they're important dreams. So, so he has a famous dream in which he sees himself being attacked by a pack of dogs. Mm. But he says the one dog was fiercer than all the others. And in some of the texts, it's a black and white dog. And in other texts, it's called a spotted dog. Well, not okay. black and white, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's clearly written spotted or black and white. Um, and, and, and it's a curious text because the suggestion is the one who kills me will be a leper or will oh, wow. suffer from some sort of leprosy. So on the day of, of Karbala, of course, um, he shouts this at Umar bin Saad. You are the dog. Oh, that I saw the spotted dog. The spotted dog. Now I'm not sure if Umar bin Saad suffered from leprosy of any degree, but some of the texts kind of suggest that he may have or did. It's a problem. I mean, we don't really know. But mm. but he is accused of being this the spotted dog. But but Al Hussein has other dreams that are uh, are more moving in a way, and the the, the the dreams are mostly on the night before Karbala. So they are, and, and this is where Zainab comes in because she's present for these dreams. They are. Um, he's sleeping. Uh, it says he was preparing his sword, but that's not quite true. He actually tucked his legs up in front of him on his chair, mm. Hussein, and he, just, he dozed off. Oh. And in the distance, Zainab begins to hear the enemy army arriving in great numbers, and she's horrified, and she goes and wakes him. And, and he admits that he'd been asleep. He basically says, I've just dreamt of my grandfather. Who, who said, you are coming to me, you're going to be wow. with me, and sometimes it's today or tomorrow, it's sometimes. But the dream greatly dis disturbs Zainab. She's hugely upset by this dream because she realizes she's going to lose her brother. And I keep kind of saying this when I talk about Zainab. I'm not sure that she fully realized. She knew he was going to be a martyr, but I don't know if she realized that this is it. It's happening oh. now. Yeah. That this wasn't just another campaign. And she's distraught by the dream, but but... But he himself, Hussein, the dream is the dream is beautiful for him because he's seen his grandfather. So that basically that basically is the kind of the dream theme for the dream team. The dream team. Um, and and again, I, I can't stress enough that number one, dreams are crucially important in most religious spiritualities. Yeah. You know, so so when 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 Jewish or Christians read the Old Testament or the new Christians with the New Testament, there are lots of important dreams yeah. of angelic messengers either coming to announce a, a hero who's going to be born or coming to announce some terrible death. Those are usually the two things. It's a warning or a prediction of something great. Um, and, and so it's crucially important. If you read back into the life of Fatima, she had dreams while she was pregnant with Hussein of, of okay. angels ministering to her. Um, and she eventually said to her father, please, I don't know what these dreams mean. We know that, that um, Khadija quite possibly also certainly heard the voice of Fatima talking from the womb and might well also have had dreams of angels. So angelic intervention is very important. And mostly it takes place during the, through the medium of, of dreams. And I, So I'm, I'm still digging a little <laughs> because I think there are probably other strands. There are other people who dreamt. But I'm quite keen to highlight the dreams of Salama as absolutely trustworthy in their transmission. Mm -hmm. So if Salama has transmitted this, I believe it. Uh, wow. It's not, for me, there's no doubt. And I think most of the Hadith authorities would agree. If Salama is there, it's a, it's a good Hadith and it's worth thinking about. Well, why do you think um, in all religions, all Abrahamic religions, that dreams are as important as they are? Because they're mysterious. Nobody fully understands them. I mean, psychologists and others try to 
explain what they are and we understand basically your subconscious is throwing up images but in a muddled way that don't always make sense but it has always been part of religious tradition that that god speaks to people in various ways but he speaks to people through dreams mm. this has been apart from the beginning that that i suppose when you are dreaming you're at your most vulnerable you you are unable to resist and you're closest to the and you and you're closest to in, to in, the next I don't yeah know, you are to, I mean, in a, a sense realm or, in, in yeah. a sense you are you are unconscious yeah and out of consciousness and therefore therefore there's nothing you know there's nothing blocking if if god wishes wish to inspire somebody a dream is the best place to do it because yeah. there's no noise there's no external blockage mm -hmm. you are entirely open as long as you can understand the dream so you have um al-fadl going and saying i saw this terrible dream and the prophet says it wasn't terrible it was a good dream oh, yeah. she's she's misunderstood the dream so as long as people have someone wise who can who can explain to them that this dream has a particular meaning or you know or this dream needs to be discarded because it's and there there are hadith about dreams that need to be discarded yeah. or or verses of quran or whole chapters of quran that are recited against bad dreams so yeah, because there can be bad influence in dreams as well yeah. it's it's a bit of a muddle um but they're important dreams are important in modern psychology so psychologists really need to pay deference to religious tradition which from the beginning long before psychology was a science has acknowledged that dreams play a massive yeah. role in people's lives yeah. and and even today you hear lots of people talking about dreams they had and i've just started reading a book about dreams in islam right up to the modern day people oh, wow. who who dream and who who dream of the prophet or who dream of some somebody important with a message so it's an interesting just yeah. phenomenon and you you're working on your book quick plug so, for father chris but yeah well so so this book is going to be a book about the dreams i decided after lady fatima then lady zainab to stay with the the Karbala theme because of course working on Zainab I collected all kinds of other bits that I couldn't put in sure. to the book and, and the dreams of Salama were one of them so I thought I really want to stay with Karbala yeah um, I think it's you know it's crucial to Shia life and piety and history and it's worth sticking with yeah. and I I like to write it from a, a Christian point of view because as a theologian Mm -hmm. I like to be able to say that I also have a theological opinion yeah. about this. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting. You know, Karbala for a Christian is a very a very real event. It's we we recognize the themes of grief and sorrow and we recognize the themes of giving your life for justice or for the sake of the community. Mm -hmm. This idea of redemption. And so it's very close to 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 our spirituality and I when I wrote Zainab I thought I want to treat I want to look at Zainab also as a Christian theologian. Yeah. comes across a, a woman who is universal. Yeah. Um, and dreams are universal too. Yeah. Of course. So, and timeline in the book or is that still Oh, oh. well, a, a little while. I'm busy translating hadith and yeah. some of them get a little complex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um after a while, you know, you recognize the same theme running through them, but I'm working on that and then I will I need to look a little at the life of Salama herself, no. some of the other in, things she's in, in your study so far, uh, with specifically with regards to dreams, what's the like the most interesting one or they they you've come across that, I don't know you had to look twice they're or... not so interesting for me but as as exceptionally moving the dreams okay. are very moving you know so so this little boy Hussein who climbs up on I mean the prophet is sleeping and he jumps on top of him yeah. and Salama is very worried because he doesn't like to be disturbed when he's sleeping she's quite nervous about this <laughs> he's got no little Hussein just jumps all over him and wakes him up and and he, and he loves that's a very moving account because we've seen that we've seen grandchildren 
you know, in their yeah. grandparents' arms, and you think, I could picture that. Yeah. Right? It's, a, it's a real situation. It's a very natural thing. It's a natural thing. And, you know, you don't want, either from the Prophet himself or from any of the Ahlubayt, you don't want to lose their humanness. Exactly. You, know, exactly. you really want to, and that's why Salam is like a grandmother. You think, she does what a grandmother would do. She mm. fusses and frets, and, and, yeah. and you know, oh, yeah. but she's watching everything around her. So they're, they're, they're interesting, but I find them very moving, in, you know, predictions that can't be stopped, yeah. mm. you know. Is that what kind of inspired you to, to write this book? Yeah, I mean, because I collected, I collected dreams as I went along while I was dealing with, with Zainab, and I thought, I'm just going to tuck these away somewhere in a file on a computer, because <laughs> one day, and then I thought afterwards, I'm actually, I'm in a Karbala mood. I mean, I'm just going <laughs> to keep, yeah, it's a permanent mood. <laughs> Sort of keep going. Um, I, I really would like to do a biography of Abbas, oh. but it would be very difficult. Yeah. yeah, it would be a hugely difficult work. I mean, it would take a long time. Yeah, because you have to try and trace his life. Yeah. there's big chunks we don't know about. We're yeah. just missing. Uh, yeah. you no, know, I could write about Abbas at Karbala, um, an academic work, and that would be wonderful. But I'm interested to know where he was before that. Safin also, of course, but where he was at other sure. times. Mm. And not just his brave people, his yeah, other, his other kind of as well. the rest of his life. So I, I'm thinking about it. Right? <laughs> and maybe another podcast of us, inshallah, whenever that whenever comes. Whenever that comes out. <laughs> okay. the years. Thank you so much again. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great pleasure. No, thank great. you so much again for uh, joining much. us. Yeah. Another, as in, it's just an education when we sit here and listen to you. And I hope the listeners feel the same way, inshallah. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum.